But uh, the rest of us, we're going to continue in this series we've been looking at called Canceled, and everything has been building up to this day. We've looked at the power of sin being canceled. We've looked at fear and anxiety being canceled. We've looked at so many different things, uh, a defeated spirit, you name it, that were canceled by the gospel because the gospel does have the final word. As we just sang, the cross does have the final word, and this morning we're going to see that even death itself is canceled. And the story where that's made abundantly clear is a story that you know, the story of Lazarus. We're going to read two verses where Jesus is speaking right in the midst of that story, John chapter 11. So let's stand as we read John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. John 11, 25 and 26. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is Martha, whose brother had just passed, that he's speaking to. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I'm asking you this morning, church, do you believe this? Some of you do, right? Do you believe this? Amen. You can be seated. One of, the, one of the difficulties, one of the challenges in life and ministry is the subject of death. There are a lot of things we enjoy about our calling, those of us who are called into vocational Christian ministry. One of the difficulties, while we love being there for families, is that we're called upon when death's reality knocks at the door. It's heartbreaking because we love those who are experiencing this most difficult moment in life. We might have been through weddings with them, we've been through births with them, we've been worshiping with them for years, but then death knocks at the door and we grieve and we share a broken heart with them, and it happens even in our own families. I've been with people in hospitals when they breathe their last. I've been with them before they breathe their last, right after they had breathed their last, and a family calls with a broken heart for the pastor to come. I've received unexpected phone calls. I've received shocking phone calls when I've been in my car with my family or I've been in my home and first thing in the morning, to late at night, and I've heard news that I just totally did not. Sometimes they were older. Sometimes they were seemingly way too young. And right now, even as I speak, the faces of people that I love cross my mind who are now in eternity because death came knocking at a time that maybe we didn't expect it. Maybe they just got news that it was imminent. And afterwards, there are all these firsts, the first Easter, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first anniversary, the first experience that somebody goes through without somebody they love. I was telling Tina I had a dream that included her parents just the other night, and I missed them. And her brother, I miss him. I miss others that we have seen so close to us, 
very close to us in our church family. You ever notice that Jesus didn't show up to a funeral that he didn't cancel? Interesting. Whether you're talking about the daughter of Jairus, when he said, little girl, get up, and she got up, or the widow of Nain's son, her only son, and he raised him from the dead. Then he shows up in John chapter 11 at the grave of Lazarus. We know the rest of the story. After Jesus had had this conversation with Martha, he then would console Mary. Mary was the one that seemed a little bit more melancholy. Remember, she was the one that would worship at the feet of Jesus while Martha was uh, the busy bee getting everything done around the house and said, can't you tell her to get up and help me out? And he said, she's chosen what is better. And it seems like in the text that, that follows when Mary cries, everybody cries. And so she starts to cry. People are brokenhearted for her. And sometimes you grieve because you've lost someone. And sometimes you grieve because you know you have a brother or sister in Christ, a friend or a family member. They're grieving. And so you comfort and, and grieve with them. And they were trying to comfort Mary. All this was taking place. And then ultimately Jesus would speak those words that we feel like this passage is really all about when he would say, Lazarus, Come forth. I love the old-fashioned preacher that once said, it's a good thing he said Lazarus because when Jesus said, come forth, if he not, had not been specific, every grave within the sound of his voice would have burst open and everybody would have come forth. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he showed that he had the power over sin and the grave even in that very moment. But I'm going to tell you this morning, he was communicating a bigger truth than just raising Lazarus from the dead, which is a beautiful story and a great story, but you know Lazarus would die again. A beautiful story, it's a, it's a great story, but he was trying to teach us something that was even spiritually deeper than that. He was trying to prove the truth of the verses we just read. I'm the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. He has canceled death for everyone who believes in him. So there's truths right here in these two verses that we need to leave this place believing this morning. Number one, you must face the reality of death. When it comes to physical death, you must face the reality of death. We don't like to face that reality. We recently looked at the fact that our arrogant planning needs to be canceled by the gospel because we don't know except for life is but a vapor that appears for a moment then vanishes away how quickly God could take us out of this world. And so he says, even if he dies, that word if sometimes could be translated when or even though he will eventually die. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And whether there's a second death at that judgment depends on the choice you've made concerning what to do with Jesus Christ. And so there's no time for arrogant planning because eternity is too long to be wrong. So many that I love are now on the other side. So many are already through death's door. Speaking this morning with someone about our age, I was thinking, yep, now we're at a point in life where we know more on the other side, it seems, than we do on this side of eternity. And so many I love are already there, some young, 
younger than we thought they should have been when the Lord called them home, but it was his perfect timing, his perfect plan. He knows the number of our days. Some were shockers and some were somewhat expected. Even this year, I've had both experiences. A grandmother who fought and lived into her 90s and our dear friend and secretary, Miss Stephanie, who was younger than me. And we say, it just doesn't seem fair at times. And too many stop with this message that, man, you only live once. Two things for sure in life, people used to say death and taxes. Well, death is certainly for sure. We need to understand something about death, though. Death is not merely, as some people refer to it, lights out or turning off the lights. Death is merely blowing out a candle because the sun has come up. Because you have stepped into the real light if you are a child of God. If you are one who has put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that moves us to a second point this morning. You must place faith in the resurrected Christ. Yes, you must face the reality of death. Therefore, you must place faith in the resurrected Christ. What did Jesus say on this day? Martha had believed in the resurrection. She had already told him so in the previous verses. Oh, yeah, I know that in the resurrection. Remember, the Sadducees, they, they didn't believe in a, in a literal resurrection that would ever take place. That's why they were sad, you see. Some of you remember that from Sunday school. That's why they were sad, you see. They didn't believe in a resurrection. She believed in a resurrection. She even believed that Jesus by now was the Messiah, but he was going to clarify just what that meant. Some awareness that she had was going to be really driven home here. As he makes the fifth of seven I am statements in John's gospel. Now, you also need to understand this morning that when Jesus said, I am, the Jews would have taken a step back. Because the I am was, in, in the Greek, it was an emphatic. In other words, it, it, when he said, ego eimi in the Greek, all he had to say was the eimi. It's kind of like in, in uh, Spanish when you say soy, you're saying I am. But if you say yo soy, you're saying emphatically I am. And when Jesus said the I am that way in a context with the Jewish audience, he was claiming to be the I am that I am, and the Jews understood, wait a minute, he's claiming to be God. And by the way, that's why they wanted to have him crucified, remember, because, not just because he was a good man, but because he claimed to be God, and he did indeed claim to be God. And so those I am statements started in John's gospel with, I am the bread of life, I'm better than the manna that you had in the, the wilderness, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd. He would go on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. You would see a connection in each one of these to the exclusivity of Christ claimed in John 3, 16 that you learned as a child that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father that God gave his only Son that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life and not perish, that he would cancel death for all that put their faith and their trust in him. Now, others, like the three that I've named, in a, the two in addition to Lazarus, Jairus' daughter and the widow's son, others were at times resuscitated. In other words, the, their heart had stopped. 
They, they, they had, for all practical purposes, they were dead physically, and Jesus revived them, but guess what? They had to die again. Jesus would not just be resuscitated, he would be resurrected. His resurrection was like no other because his death was like no other. Jesus would have to die himself. He would have to die in our place. If the wages of sin is death, then somebody had to pay a price. And if that death was a spiritual death, then that means the one who paid the price, all hell had to be poured out on them. All hell for all eternity, for all who would ever believe, had to be placed on one Lamb of God, a perfect Lamb of God, and Jesus was the only perfect Lamb of God, would be placed on him. Christ died once for sin, 1 Peter 3, 18, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. So his death was like no other so that he could cancel death forever. But his resurrection was like no other. He was not simply resuscitated. He was resurrected to never die again. So when he arose... He proved that sin, death, hell, and the grave had been conquered by Jesus and Jesus alone. Somebody once put it this way, that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. When he rose again, he proved that the check cleared, that he was victorious once and for all. Acts chapter 1 goes on to say he presented himself. This is Dr. Luke, a physician, writing saying he presented himself with many convincing proofs. This former Gentile who had now become a believer in Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul would also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 say, let me just tell you about all the witnesses. So you have someone who was a, a Gentile, a Greek physician, and you have someone who was a Jewish religious leader like Paul, all come to faith in Jesus Christ, giving you lists of all the convincing proofs that Jesus is alive because you see there are people in this world that think for me and you to be a Christian that we just check our brains at the door. And folks, I've listened to their arguments. This is not just some blind faith. This is a reasonable act of worship according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's not a blind faith. And so we're not a bunch of idiots sitting down here at the church that just believe in something that could never, yeah, do we believe in the impossible? Absolutely. But, but I've listened to their arguments. I've been around the world and heard what other religions have to offer. And so I haven't closed my mind to hearing what they have to say, but I'm just telling you something, church, they don't have the answers. So, so when Stephen Hawking and others try to say, listen, I have a way of explaining it, I listen to it and say, you know what? You didn't answer the question, where did eternity past come from? And you didn't answer the question, where is this whole thing going? Jesus had all the answers. He was the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then finally, number three, you can live forever as the redeemed of God. You can. You don't have to. It's up to you. You can live forever as the redeemed of God. He who believes in me, verse 26, everyone who believes in me and everyone who lives in me, now keep that word live in mind as he says, he who lives, not just speaking of the fact that he would raise Lazarus from the dead, not just speaking of the fact that we just happen to be alive today, but he who lives in me and believes in me, that means we find our life in him. There are two present active participles there, living in him, believing in him, something that lasts. <laughs> the key to John's Stories 
recorded here when he said, listen, all, all the volumes in the world can contain everything that I had to tell you about Jesus. But the key to these was to remind us in John chapter 1 that in him was life and that life was the light of men. That as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. John chapter 2, the water into wine story is all about dead ritual was over and Jesus would make all things new. John chapter 4, the woman at the well learned that only the living water that Jesus had to offer would satisfy Later on in John chapter 15, he'll talk about the abiding life, that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we're not abiding in him, if our life is not in him, and so it's not enough to say, well, I went to the church. Oh, I said that prayer one time, preacher, I'm okay. No, something had to happen in your life where you started abiding in him, living in him. Those who live in him, present, active, continual, it, it, it means we're daily living in him. To live, Paul said, is Christ. To live as Christ. So if, if somebody were to write your epitaph today and, and put their life was to blank, and you can put anything else there but Christ, what is your life all about? To live as Christ. And if to live as Christ, then to die is gain, because though we are all appointed death once, the second death... Spiritual death has been canceled for all who believe. Don, Donald Barnhouse, great pastor, Presbyterian minister from a century ago, from Philadelphia, the early 1900s, wrote a lot of commentaries that people still turn to today, preached a lot of sermons, started a a radio ministry when some were just learning what radio was. <laughs> His wife got cancer, age, well, it was in 1944, so she would have been midlife. Passed away, they still had some young children. Brokenhearted. He was planning to preach his wife's funeral and did. Had his kids in a car, that was a big deal in 1944. <laughs> Had his kids in a car, headed down a road to the funeral. And the biggest truck he had ever seen, they didn't see a lot of big trucks back then, but the biggest truck that they had ever seen come flying behind them and they had to ease over and the, the truck went by and as they were just staring with grieving hearts out into the field, beside them, they saw the, they'd been watching the shadow of the car as the sun shone from the side and that shadow of that car disappeared because of the shadow of the truck. <laughs> the truck went on by, then they saw the shadow of the car again and Dr. Barnhouse told his children, he said, listen, death is much like that truck. Did we, uh, did we get hurt by the shadow? And this little child said, no, a shadow can't hurt you. He said, that's right. He said, right now we're, we're in death's shadow. He said, Jesus was the one who let the truck run over it. 
So all that goes over us is death's shadow. Maybe that's why it ministers so much to us when we say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, here's the, the math this morning. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Because those who are born once die twice. They die physically, but then they experience the spiritual death. The book of Revelation says that they will be cast into the lake of the fire, which is the second death. But if you're born again, if you're born twice, it is appointed that a man wants to die physically, but spiritually you will never die. Many of you have heard me tell the story before of driving one of my first cars, 16 years old, King Avenue in Athens, came up the top of a hill. There's like a five-way crossing there. And the car went dead, and I couldn't pop the clutch. I couldn't get it to, to jump off, and the light was green, and I didn't want to stop because I knew I was in trouble. And so I remember getting in the middle of that intersection and getting out of the car while it was moving and holding the door and the steering wheel and I ran on through because there had been times in the past that once you got going downhill, you could pop the clutch and start it again. So I jump in the car, I'm rolling downhill, and I'm popping the clutch and it don't start. I eventually pull off the side, I get out and I start to walk. And in that moment, I did not cease to exist. My mode of transportation changed, but I did not cease to exist. And one day, this mode of transportation, we're gonna try to pop the clutch one more time and it's not gonna restart. We don't cease to exist. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because death has been canceled through faith in Jesus and in Christ alone. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave this place without making the most important decision you could ever make. With no one looking around, I just want you to do business with God in your heart of hearts. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you stepped into eternity today, that you would not have to die the second death because that death has been canceled by Jesus on the cross. Right where you sit this morning, I challenge you to say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again on the third day to give me life everlasting, life more abundant ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, make me your child, and may my life be in you and for you from this day on. If that's the prayer of your heart this morning, nobody looking around, would you just slip up a hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Robbie. I'm best way I know how I'm praying to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I just want to give it all to him. Amen. 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 Are there others this morning? That's the prayer of my heart. Now, how many of you would say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm a child of God? but I've let death's shadow intimidate me as if it were death itself. I want to be found living in Christ day in and day out. Every morning I wake up, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day I wake up, I want it to be with an awareness of the presence of the living Lord who's living inside of me. And so today you're saying, I want to recommit myself to him afresh and anew. Would you just lift your hands and say, that's where I'm at today. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. 
thank you for the good news that Jesus saves. That through faith in him, death is canceled. Lord, some here this morning are still grieving the loss of someone they love, and that's okay because, Lord Jesus, even at Lazarus' tomb, you wept. So you are a man acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. So walk with them through these days, but remind them that they're only in the shadow of death because you've defeated it once and for all. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name.